We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 167 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman, and we sort of have a pretty big show for you today. Uh, It has obviously been announced that the Green Bay Packers are going to be hiring Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur as their next NFL head coach, obviously a very big deal. And uh, to join me today in in this kind of exciting announcement, this exciting news, is two of our Pack-A-Day podcast regulars. Uh, My name, of course, is Andy Herman. I'm a writer for Cheesehead TV. You can follow me on Twitter at Scotty Sports. And joining me is Zach Jacobson, another writer for Cheesehead TV, and of course, one of our Pack-A-Day podcast regulars, as well as Dusty Evely, another one of our Pack-A-Day podcast regulars, and a featured writer and podcaster on the Pack to the Future podcast as well. Gentlemen, we have a brand new head coach of the Green Bay Packers. How the heck are you doing? Zach, let me start with you. How are you feeling, buddy? Well, I can tell you one thing. It was not what I was expecting. <laughs> I don't think it was really what uh, a lot of people were expecting. I know Josh McDaniels was the one guy that it seemed like the Packers were really honing in on. There was that mutual interest on both sides. He turned down the interview with the Bengals. He had interest with the, with the Browns, but they never took that interview. It seemed like the fit was there, and he was going to be back for a second interview whenever the Patriots were, were uh, eliminated, whenever they finished that divisional round game. It seemed like he was going to be back uh, or, or back head to Green Bay for that second interview. But it makes sense why the Packers wanted to kind of knock out their candidate early and kind of tackle him while he's there because now 
They get to focus on assembling their staff. They get to get ready for the whole scouting process, get ready for the combine at the end of February. And, you know, he has that offensive pedigree working in Los Angeles under Mike Shanahan tree with, uh, you know, and Kyle Shanahan in uh, Atlanta or not Atlanta, but um, he worked with Matt Ryan in his, uh, in his 2016 MVP season uh, with the Falcons. So, you know, it, it kind of hit me in a different way that I was kind of more surprised than anything, but it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Dusty, how are you feeling, man? I'm feeling good, man. You know, like Zach was saying, I mean, I kind of – I had talked myself into McDaniels. I had LaFleur as my – I can't remember the ranking. I had him as my two or three pick as far as kind of who I wanted as the head coach. Um, I talked myself into McDaniels um, just for a thousand different reasons. For a lot of the stuff that Zach said, I wasn't high on it to begin with, but it looked like that's the way the trainer was rolling, and so – I just kind of started looking into it a little bit. You know, he had the he had the failed stint in Denver, but that was ten years ago. Um, he had the indie thing last year, and we still don't know all the details around that. There was just, there was just a, some question marks about him. The more and more I thought about him, um, with that kind of failed stint and with the lessons he seemed to have learned from that, uh, just in interviews and, and just kind of things he had been saying, um, it, it seemed like he had really grown quite a bit. And so I kind of talked myself into it. So uh, Lafleur was a shock to me um because just because i i thought i mean <laughs> it was funny the shift man if you watch uh if you watch twitter at all it went from uh, mcdaniels is the guy mcdaniels is the guy and then earlier today was uh he may not be the sure thing but he's still the front runner and then like two hours later was okay it looks like it's the floor like it was, it was such a hard shift um but after you know 15 minutes i was fine with it i mean you know zach you mentioned the um the Matt Ryan MVP season, he was also uh, the QB coach in Washington for uh, RG3's rookie year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not to mention, you know, like you said, some of the stuff he did in LA. And so I really, it's hard to tell. I was talking about to Andy about this before the show. It's hard to tell from a head coach perspective because I, I like, I like what he's done offensively. I kind of, I kind of like the looks he gives. I, you know, I obviously I love uh, the places he's been, but he's never been a head coach. And it's tough to tell, you know, being an offensive coordinator, being a quarterback's coach, being whatever, I don't know that that can fully prepare you for for what a head coaching job entails. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. You know, obviously none of us can know that, but but we can assume that since the interview, they hired him, that the interview went well, that he answered the questions, but they liked him. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, just, just looking at this from a pure, what could this mean for the Packers standpoint? I'm I'm over the moon, man. I'm really hyped about this. Yeah, it's an exciting time and it's an exciting moment, and we'll obviously have a lot to break down. I'm going to go over that full resume in just a moment. Uh, Before I do so, I do want to give another huge shout-out to Michelle Bruton, who we had on yesterday, who kind of uh, perfectly called this a day in advance. It was, you know, perfect timing. Uh, We had a chance to talk to her and her about her article that she wrote about Matt LaFleur. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, make sure to do so on the Packers Wire. It's a fantastic article, and make sure to check out the podcast from yesterday as well. Again, perfect timing, and uh, we'll obviously be covering him in great detail today. But if you're even hankering for more, definitely go back and listen to that episode as well. I also want to send my thank you and apologies to both Janelle Mackey and Matt Fralick. They were scheduled tonight uh, to talk about Joe Philbin uh, as a potential coaching candidate for the Green Bay Packers in our part five of our coaching series. It turns out we only made it through part four uh, before they hired a candidate, obviously Matt LaFleur. And uh, they now have one of our 
uh, hidden episodes or unknown episodes that will forever go unpublished, I guess. We've got, I think, three or four of those now. Uh, Zach, you have one of those out there as well. Maybe someday we'll release, uh, we'll release all of our uh, you know, cave of uh, podcasts that went unreleased due to random circumstances. But uh, Janelle and Matt did a great job putting that whole podcast together. And unfortunately, it became outdated very quickly. So huge thank you to them. And uh, make sure to check back with them in a couple of weeks when I'm sure there's going to be a ton of new things to talk about. But thank you and uh, apologies to both Janelle and Matt. Uh, before we break down uh, the hire even further, I do want to break down that full resume for Matt LaFleur. Of course, he's 39 years old, and, and you guys went through some of this stuff already. Uh, he was a quarterback and wide receiver in college and had a couple stints in the indoor football league uh, as a backup quarterback and as a wide receiver. Uh, in the indoor football league, he actually played for the Omaha Beef. I think this is probably the most important thing that's going to come out of this uh, podcast today. Do you guys know what the mascot's name was for the Omaha Beef? I don't know, Beefy? Yeah, I'm going to kind of lean towards something beef related. <laughs> it is uh, Sir Loin. Uh, oh, that's good. That is yeah. fantastic. Wow. It is really, really good. And they uh, have a all-male dance team, uh, the yes. only all-male dance team in indoor football, and appropriately named the Rump Roasters. Uh, so that is <laughs> your beef knowledge for the day that will you know, forever go on in history with Matt LaFleur. But anyway, on to more important things, uh, he started kind of his coaching career at Saginaw Valley State in 2003, where he was an offensive assistant. 2004 to 2005, he then became an offensive assistant at Central Michigan. 2006, a quarterback and receivers coach at Northern Michigan, then went on to be the offensive coordinator at Ashland then the offensive quality and control coach for the Houston Texans under Gary Kubiak. And that was his first interaction with Kyle Shanahan as well. From 2010 to 2013, as you guys mentioned earlier, he became the quarterback's coach for the Washington Redskins. Again, working with Kyle Shanahan, this time under the head uh, coaching job of Mike Shanahan. In 2014, he became the quarterback's coach at Notre Dame under Brian Kelly. Interestingly enough, Deshaun Kaiser was a freshman at the time. Mm -hmm. 2015 and 2016, he was the quarterback's coach in Atlanta, once again working with Kyle Shanahan under the head coaching job of Dan Quinn. 2017, he became the offensive coordinator for the LA Rams with Sean McVay. And then in 2018, he took the offensive coordinator position with the Titans under Mike Vrabel. The reason he made that lateral move, of course, was so that he could call the plays in Tennessee where he was not calling the plays in LA the previous season. So some of his strengths, of course, and again, you guys mentioned a couple of these already. Uh, he was there in 2012 as the quarterback's coach for both RG3 and Kirk Cousins in their rookie years. Uh, RG3 had a fantastic rookie season before, in my opinion, Mike Shanahan kind of ruined him before playing him injured in the postseason. And he also was there for the early years of Kirk Cousins' development. Uh, 2016, he was the quarterback coach for Matt Ryan's MVP and really his best season of his career and, of course, their Super Bowl season. Um, and then really in 2017, that breakout for Jared Goff, he was the quarterback's coach and excuse me, the offensive coordinator uh, for that season. And, uh, you know, the year prior, Jared Goff had been basically considered a bust and he and Sean, Mc Sean McVay come along and, and really kind of turned Jared Goff in that offense around. 2018, uh, he became the offensive coordinator again for the Titans, seventh in rushing yards this year. He increased Marcus Mariota's completion percentage by almost 7%, easily the highest of his career, and uh, also basically increased his passer rating by 13 points from a season ago as well. Uh, of course, being mentored by the likes of Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, Brian Kelly, Sean McVay, uh, some great things on his resume there, but there's also some reason for concern. Uh, he was uh, in his lone season as offensive coordinator this past year in Tennessee. He was tied for 22nd in offensive DVOA, which again is an advanced analytic. I'm not going to break down too much here, 
25th in yards, 29th in passing yards, 27th in points, 16 passing touchdowns to 12 interceptions, 47 sacks against, which was a huge increase from uh, Marcus Mariota's previous season, uh, 21st in passer rating. And then I think some major questions, you know, how much of his success was due to McVay and Shanahan versus, you know, LaFleur himself. And then maybe was the Green Bay or whoever was going to hire LaFleur, were they maybe trying to search a little bit too hard for the next Sean McVay rather than just trying to find that next really good football coach? So I think things those are some of the advantages that he has, some of the question marks that he has, but kind of going through all of that, going through the resume, uh, going through some of those concerns with Tennessee you know, Dusty, I'll start with you. Where do you kind of come out on a couple of those things? I, you know, and kind of looking at Tennessee's last year, I mean, those, those numbers, like you said, they don't look good. Um, they don't look good. It, you also had kind of Mariota kind of injured. He had that, that nerve thing. Uh, he just didn't quite look right. And you also had Blaine Gabbert starting three games. He's throwing to Tajay Sharp, Corey Davis, uh, Cameron Batson and Taiwan Taylor. Uh, I, I don't know. Like to me, it seemed like, and I, and I'm, I'm kind of working through that offense right now, but um, there's just a, I, I kind of liked what he was running, but there's some missed throws. There's a lot of drop balls. There's a lot of high throws. Like it's, I, I get the concerns about kind of what that offense did last year or how that offense looked under him. I, I, I get it. And if you want to look at the numbers and again, I've not gone through the whole season. So maybe this, maybe this gets worse for me um, after week one. I don't know, but uh I don't know. It's hard. It, you look at those numbers, and, and honestly, I was kind of talking about this earlier with someone that it kind of reminds me a lot, and I guess it's just because you're drawing parallels, because why not? This is what we do. Um, when McCarthy came in, uh, he had, I think it was the last-ranked offense with the Niners before he came over to the Packers, but he was running something that they liked. He was doing something good. They saw something in him, and I'm, that's what I'm choosing to believe with the floor. I think is from what I've seen, I kind of like, I like a system. He seems like he's learned from a lot of really good people who know things. Uh, last year just, just seemed like, I don't know. They just didn't have the pieces in that offense. I don't think that's, that's kind of what I'm going with right now. Um, it's, it doesn't look pretty, but I, I mean, I, I think, I think his offense ultimately looks better than what the numbers show. Yeah, I've seen some of the plays you were breaking down, and, and I've started looking at a little bit of his offense as well, and I like what I see, and we'll kind of go through that film review in just a moment, but again, kind of going over some of those uh, you know, concerns and some of his resume, Zach, you know, kind of how are you feeling about this? I think if you really look past the year he had in Tennessee, then he's an extremely intriguing candidate. You really look past 2018 and what he did with the Titans, and Echoing what Dusty said with all the injuries and Mariota wasn't playing to his, to his full capacity. He was dealing with the nerve issue. The offensive line was kind of bad across the board. And But it, I think he has players, talented players, which the Packers do have. If he has them in place and they just find a way to stay on the field and stay healthy and they, they're able to get kind of like a rotation going, they have healthy players, depth, I think that's the biggest key here. they got to have depth. Yeah. And I think you guys bring up a lot of great points and, um, you know, I kind of haven't had a chance to give my gut reaction to this and I really like this hire. This was somebody that I was excited about and thought about immediately when this position opened. I think he comes from a fantastic pedigree. I mean, pretty much to a T what people have been asking for is a more creative offense and the two offenses they tend to, uh, you know, either go to, I guess, besides Andy Reid's is either Kyle Shanahan's or Sean McVay. 
And he obviously has uh, tutelage under both of those offensive coordinators and both of those coaches. And I think he learned a lot. I think we saw some of it from Tennessee, but as you guys both mentioned, he did not have ideal circumstances in Tennessee. Their offensive line broke down. I think we're starting to learn more and more that Marcus Mariota may not be the guy that a lot of people expected him to be with that early pick. He hasn't, you know, developed a ton. It took them a little bit of time to kind of get that running game going. And then, you know, we saw Henry break out as the season went along. But uh, I liked what I saw from from uh, the formations he ran, the bunch formations, a lot of motion. Uh, his offense builds off of previous plays. And I think that, again, stems from a lot of the things that you see from a Kyle Shanahan and a Sean McVay led offense. So there's a lot to like there. And, you know, other coaches that I kind of fell in, I never fell in love with anyone throughout the process, but, you know, Eric Bieniemy before I found out some of the off-field concerns and Josh McDaniels, just because some of the upside was there. But this was a guy who was in my top two or three the entire time. And I just think there's a lot to like. And of course, there's going to be question marks, but there were question marks with every single candidate that was talked about for this position. Yep. There was no home run A plus candidate. And really, truly, there never is. Um, but I think I think he was always on top of that list. I think he really hits with where the, the current state of NFL is going. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see the offense that he puts together and how he forms this coaching staff. And it sounds like some of that's coming together already, which we'll kind of get to in just a moment. But one of the things we talked about yesterday was what in an ideal world Matt LaFleur needs to be successful. Zach, you kind of just went over depth. Uh, yesterday, I mentioned a veteran defensive coordinator. Michelle had mentioned a stronger offensive line. Um, you know, Zach, since you kind of touched base on depth already, Dusty, where do you come in on this? What would really make Matt LaFleur successful, whether it be a, a defensive coordinator, a coach, or a, um, you know, some type of player that he needs on offense? What would really be best for him? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I actually have I've got some thoughts more when we start talking about film stuff, but kind of what I really like about him at a high level is he seemed like um, just – looking at what he did in 17 with the Rams versus um, 18 with the Titans is he did different or even kind of similar things, but with different personnel. So he seems like a guy who can kind of uh, mix and match based on who he has. I do think, I do think depth is a big one, especially if you're looking at, if you're looking at the Rams uh, kind of what they did this year, I know he wasn't there this year, but look what the Rams did this year uh, that they kind of, not took a dive because because they're still very good, um, but obviously when when Cup went out, uh, that that hurt their offense because they kind of need those those high level guys, and I do think that he does need a couple very very good guys in premier positions. But I mean, you could say that about most people, and there's not a whole lot of coordinators out there just making hay with just mush out there. So he doesn't he needs depth. He needs a couple guys in high level positions. You know, give him a wide receiver, give him a running back, but. I, mean, I do think the biggest thing, and that's where I think, you know, Petten is is staying on. I can't remember if you touched on Andy. It looks like Petten's sticking around. Um, I, I really like that just because you do have a young, offensive-minded, first-time head coach, and then you've got a defensive head coach who has who has played the head coach role before. You're not saying, you know, Petten didn't do a great job as a head coach, but he seems like a guy who kind of learned a little bit, kind of knows what he did wrong, and is said since then he doesn't want to be a head coach really because because of kind of what that entails I feel like he could Petten could really help guide LaFleur along a little bit kind of avoid some of the pitfalls hey this is kind of you know this is what I didn't do this is what you kind of need to do you you get kind of one of those older guys that has some of that uh, just experience uh, I I think it's is super super helpful there so a defensive coordinator especially one like Petten that's been there before I think keeping him is a really smart move um, so I don't know. That's I don't know if that answered the question, but 
that's I'm done with my rambling at the moment. <laughs> no, that was perfect. And that was the, the thing that I brought up with Michelle yesterday as well, is that if there was one thing I think he could have really used as a veteran defensive coach slash maybe even assistant head coach. And Mike Patton certainly fills, you know, that role. He's a, a former head coach in the league. He's got a lot of veteran leadership. This defense seemed to really react to him very, very well. I think he's going to be a great presence uh, you know, for Matt LaFleur. And I just think when you're bringing in a 39-year-old coach who does not have any head coaching experience at any level, having that type of leader in your locker room who has that experience, I think is going to be, you know, endlessly important. So uh, I think that's a, a huge, huge thing. And I think that's going to be a successful move. Besides depth, Zach, anything else that you think would really make uh, the LaFleur regime successful? I think just having Aaron Jones out there, uh, I think you mm-hmm. actually alluded to it on Twitter. Um, kind of really echoed my thoughts as well, because you know we saw what he did in Tennessee with the run game and, and Derrick Henry, what he was able to do and how he utilized his running backs. So if Aaron Jones is out there and he's healthy and, <laughs> and Lafleur can kind of incorporate him into what he's trying to do, and that's that's going to be something fun to watch. That's that's for sure. That's that would be my my alternative option, but. I'm still stuck on the depth. If he can, if he just has a good rotation of players and that's going to be huge. Yeah. And I, and I think you're spot on there because, you know, and as Dusty mentioned as well, he's going to use a ton of different formations. They're going to rotate people in and out. Uh, They want to be able to confuse opposing defenses and opposing defensive coordinators. And the more depth and the more weapons that he can have, the more looks he can give, the better he's going to be. So I think that would put him in a huge situation to be successful and really do some of the things that he does best as well. I think it was a huge injury that Delaney Walker was out early in the year for for them because I think that would have been a huge weapon for him. And I think that offense really changed when, uh, when he went down. So uh, I, the more depth they can have better, the better they're going to be unequivocally. Uh, Dusty, you started kind of watching the tape a little bit uh, and, and obviously going through that first game and, and some of the things that he was doing, what were some of the things that stood out to you and and what do you think some of those things are that he'll bring to green Bay? Yeah. And actually um, I kind of want to go back real quick just to, to 2017, because I did do last off season. I kind of said, I look at the Rams, uh, which works out perfectly for this. So I looked at um, the Rams 2017 offense and what they did uh, there and kind of went through every single game and looked at passing concepts. And that's all awesome. And you can find that on Twitter if you so desire. Um, but one of the things I really liked is just kind of looking at this first game. I see a lot of similar concepts from what he ran in LA, but it's with different personnel. That's why I'm, that's, that's one of the things I kind of mentioned earlier that got me really excited about this is like, you're seeing uh, we're in LA, he was running a lot of kind of three wide, um, you know, obviously with with Gurley and maybe one tight end, he's doing the same thing with uh, like three tight end sets. Uh, And and so to me, that kind of shows like he's got these concepts and they're tweaked a little bit, but he's got these concepts that he knows can work um, no matter who the personnel is. So it's not one of those, um, I know one of the things I'd heard about McDaniels was he'll have, he'll have, he basically wants to fit guys into his system, which was my complaint about capers for years and years and years and years was, um, if you've got a system that's inflexible and you need these certain guys to do it, that's, that's not a great system. And that's kind of what I heard about McDaniels. LaFleur seems like a, he can kind of tweak some of the stuff that works, uh, but he can run it with different personnel, which is super exciting. So um, that was just just the difference between 2017 and 2018. I thought was super, super interesting. Uh, so, yeah, just kind of going through uh, this first game uh, of the 2018 season against the Dolphins, which, if I'm not mistaken, was the one that 
was delayed by like six hours because of lightning and the Packers game started. You couldn't watch the Packers game in the beginning because of the start of it and just a dumb game, just a dumb, <laughs> dumb game. But it's really interesting watching it. Like uh, what he did, I know a, a couple of things that really jumped out at me was uh, a ton of motion, just, just an ungodly amount of motion, which is great. And, and I know that Rogers is not necessarily the biggest fan of motion. Uh, and so we'll see if that, kind of holds or if uh, LaFleur says, no, we're doing this, uh, you know, that, that kind of can show you maybe what the defense is looking to do a little earlier. If you do motion, I, I know it's a ton of motion, uh, a ton of stuff with the running backs and tight ends. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of kind of crisscross routes. You mentioned earlier, Andy, where they kind of, he kind of builds off stuff. He, he does a lot of that. He does a lot of um, run one thing to set up another thing. He does a lot of um, it, one of the things I love about the Rams offense is uh Wheel routes, man, do I love me some wheel routes. And and guess what? Lafleur also loves wheel routes. Uh, I saw a lot of like uh, kind of double post, double double slant wheels, which was incredible. Um, a lot of stuff that kind of had uh, rub routes. He had one, I think that maybe the first one I posted tonight that I just absolutely adored was a bunch route. And, and you kind of had a curl at the sticks on third down and then a guy kind of sneak out behind them. And so you're looking to pull those defenders up. There's just, there's a whole lot of, I mean, one of the things, and, and I think it, it changed a little this year, obviously in green Bay, um, I think not enough, but um, I, I just didn't think there's a whole lot of thought put into not necessarily the offensive concepts, but how they, how they work together or where the personnel was or down in distance or any of that stuff. That was kind of one of our main problems and not necessarily what they're running, but kind of how and when they're running it with the floor. I, I, over the past two years, I've seen a ton of thought just put into each play and how that play, how people react to that play, what that play means in terms of down a distance, what that means in terms of who you have in there. There's a whole lot of misdirection. There's a whole lot of varied looks kind of running the same stuff. There's a whole lot of show them one thing and then also kind of tweak that a little later and run something else for something down the line. Um, it, it's, I'm trying not to get too excited, but you know, watching, you know, a full year in 2017 and then just one game of 2018, it's, it's hard for me not to get excited about this, just seeing what he's doing, seeing how he's doing it, seeing he's adapting it to his personnel. Um, and, and then you transfer that over to the Packers. And obviously, you know, as Zach mentioned, you got, Aaron Jones, he's going to use Aaron Jones. Um, I've been, I feel like, a lone Jimmy Graham defender. He's going to use Jimmy Graham, I feel like, well. Uh, he's going to use those tight ends. We might get to see, Andy, hold your breath, a little Tanyan out there uh, mixing it up, doing some stuff. I feel like with the personnel that the Packers have, I feel like he's going to be able to use that um, in a way that we were, we've were we been begging to see that used for the past few years that we just haven't seen it. It's. It, I, I realize I've gone on for a while, and I'm sure you've got thoughts as well, Andy, but I mean, good God, it's hard not to watch um, just what I've seen so far in that 2017 Ram season and not get hyped about this guy and what he's doing and how he's doing it and who he's doing it with. It's 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 very exciting. Yep, I agree. And, and Dusty, I'm going to be fully transparent here. I think you're going to be able to speak to this better than I will. But my my thought on Mike McCarthy's offense and how it was built was that he had a specific plan on how he wanted to attack things. And while there were adjustments here and there, for the most part, he stuck to his plan and he believed mm-hmm. that it was going to work and that he was going to force other teams to beat him in his plan. And I think that that, for the most part, and again, in today's day and age, in today's NFL, doesn't really work as well anymore. And I think you have to have innovative coaches who give defenses and defensive coordinators things that they have to constantly think about. We saw in the playoff game this past week, I believe it was 
Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my train of thought now on who it was. I think it was the <laughs> Eagles that ran it, but they ran the fake screen to the one side, the fake screen to the other side, and yep. then they threw, threw to the tight end in the middle of the field. And it was an, it was an awesome play. It was Dallas Goddard. And yep. it was Goddard Ertz, one of the two. And, Goddard, uh, yeah. Goddard, yeah. And he, you know, broke three tackles. And he, ultimately, the, the play call didn't really work a ton because the linebacker and the defensive backs were right there, but he broke three tackles, but it was just things like that because the defense had to think about three different things on that play before they actually, you know, could react to things. Well, yeah, you know, my, my issue with kind of, it's hard to cut you off, Andy. Um, My issue with kind of what the Packers have done with that is they've shown that stuff. They've shown that specific play. The problem is that they don't do enough legwork they did not do this past year enough legwork to properly set that up. If you've not shown enough of the fake screen to one side, fake screen to the other side, there's there's nothing to make them respect that. There's there's nothing to make teams kind of think, oh, they're doing this. Like there's you've got you've almost got with the Packers, you had payoff plays with with none of the lead up, which was which is super frustrating. Yeah, and I think that's the the real joy and the real pleasure of watching the Sean McVay and the Kyle Shanahan and hopefully the Matt LaFleur offenses as well is you do get some of those window dressings. What is a, a power run now might be a screen to the other side later or what's mm-hmm. a, a fake reverse now might be a reverse later. It's just it's one thing that sets up to another and defenses constantly have to think. And I think that's the the way of the future. I think that's the way things – it's the way the present, I should say, and the way things that you know need to be done. And, and hopefully that's the way that things will be done now in Green Bay – and it will give Green Bay that advantage that a lot of these other teams have had over the course of the last couple seasons. Absolutely. Um, Zach, one of the things I wanted to ask you about a little bit is kind of how you felt about this process as a whole. So they interviewed 10 different candidates and they really just immediately made their decision and, and went with their gut and went with their guy. How did you feel, you know, Green Bay went about this process? They were really, besides Cleveland, they had the longest amount of time really to think about this. And uh, really, I guess Cleveland was in the playoff race, I think, up until week 16. So, I mean, it's not like they were super focused on it at the time. Uh, but, uh, you know, Green Bay had time to kind of think this through a little bit. But they they interviewed their 10 guys, and then they immediately went with their decision. How did you feel this process went? I'm actually glad you, you asked me that because I did want to address that a little bit. I, I feel like the, the entire process as a whole, I think they did their due diligence. I mean, they, they tackled Dan Campbell. They didn't interview Mike Munchak, but they got to Brian Flores, Josh McDaniels, uh, Matt LaFleur, Pete Carmichael, Adam Gase, Todd Munkin. They, they, they did their work here. And it, that's not even ca- accounting for Jim Caldwell and Chuck Pagano, which I'm assuming was to satisfy the Rooney rule, obviously, since those were the two guys they knocked out at the very beginning. But you know, they did their work, and I was really satisfied with the, the pool of candidates that they pulled away from. My only surprise was kind of – I was surprised by how early they picked their, they picked their guy, that they landed on the floor and said, that's, that's the guy we want. That's the guy we want coaching our football team for the foreseeable future. That's the guy we're going we're gonna to bank our legacy, uh, our meaning, Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst. That's going to be the guy that we hinge our franchise on. That was the one thing that kind of surprised me, but – we know Mike Pettin's safe, which is obviously really uh, a really good sign because you know we don't. Uh, there's no continuity. There's no form of cohesion. Having three different coordinators in three years, they brought aboard a guy who is going to keep Pettin, and I, I think that was a, a a big positive with the four and a big reason why they stuck with him. And you know, at the end of the day, I guess it doesn't really matter how long they take, but kind of if they feel like this is their guy. You know, if they're 100% confident that the floor is their guy and this is the guy they want leading their team, then you can't you, you can't deny their trust. You know, you can't it's it's instinct, I should say. But I also um, I was 
told by a, a, a source inside the Packers organization, apparently it's close to the organization, that McDaniels was the guy that's the clear-cut leading candidate, all that. And that ended up not being true. So words are fluid, all that nonsense. And I do want to apologize to anybody that's listening right now for any misled information. Uh, if I misled you, anything along those lines. But it's tough, man. It, he probably opted to stay in New England or the Packers turned him away after LaFleur's interview. We'll probably never know. But yeah, I just wanted to get that kind of apology out in the open. No, man, you're all good. I think, yeah, you know, obviously anytime you're counting on a source, it's a source and you can only go by what they're saying. So I don't think anyone's going to hold that against you. But I I agree with you. And I think you brought up a great point that this is a a massive, massive decision for Brian Gutekunst and for Mark Murphy. And uh, it should be held in that regard. And I personally love the way that they attack this. And to me, they they went outside the box with a lot of these candidates, both with some retreads and also with some some names like a Todd Monken um, that, you know, weren't, you know, right at the immediate forefront to begin with. And I think they really went went out of their way to make sure that they didn't really leave any stone unturned. There's a couple names out there that maybe I would have liked them to bring in, but nothing egregious. And uh, I, I think that as soon as they found their guy, they went out and they attacked him. They know that there's eight head coach openings out there and they know that anything can happen at any given time. And when they found their guy and they, they didn't wait to, oh, let's bring him back for a second interview or let's hold off a little bit. Maybe we should bring in these four or five other candidates we didn't bring in the first time. They went with their gut. They they interviewed the guy. They loved him. They brought him in and they said, you know what, that that's where we're going to go with. And personally, I'm I'm in recruiting and this is, you know, my day-to-day operations is interviewing people and, and kind of going through that process a little bit. And some of the biggest mistakes that I've seen is when you try to overthink things and you go through second interviews and you try to nitpick things. And some of the best decisions I've ever seen made are the ones where you interviewed them and you fell in love with them and you went with your gut and maybe there was something that, you know, on, on paper, you didn't think was maybe the right thing. And if you really nitpicked it to death, maybe you would have moved on. But those decisions that you, you trust your gut and you trust what you went through the process for in the first place are the ones that turn out being the best. And I'm kind of hoping that obviously turns out to be the case here as well. Dusty, any thoughts on that at all? No, you guys covered it. I kept waiting for a second interview is coming up, but if they, if they knew who they wanted, like you said, they, they pounced, they went for it. Zero issues. I don't really know how most of that process works, but like you said, I mean, they brought in a ton of guys, just a ton of guys they brought in, and they liked that. They liked who they liked, and you got to respect that. So, yeah, nothing more to add. Perfect. It's kind of like shopping for a new car. You know, you you, you feel around, and mm-hmm. then once you sit once you sit behind the wheel of the one car, the O one Chevy Prism. Like, I'm, right I'm exactly. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you just you know it's the one. You know, mm-hmm. some of them you kind of have second, you have reservations about second thoughts. You know, but the Packers with Matt Lafleur, that's their brand new car. They felt good about him. Mm-hmm. Love it, absolutely love it. So, uh, kind of some comments from around the the web that I kind of wanted to read to you guys. Uh, the first one that really stood out to me, and I really liked this a lot, was from Dan Orlovsky. He said, "Congrats to Lafleur. I've known the dude for ten plus years now. Played for him twice." I love the hiring. Dude's very bright, very creative, knows how to attack defenses, has had great teaching. And the biggest thing, he's going to coach the heck out of 12 
and challenge him daily. So I really like that quote quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that to me, that was the number one thing I wanted going into this is somebody who was going to be able to challenge uh, Aaron Rodgers, bring new creative ideas to the table and really kind of play that, that mental game of chess with him as well. And from all reports, that's something that, that LaFleur, you know, knows his stuff on offense. He's a former quarterback. Uh, so I think him and Rodgers have the opportunity to, to build off of that and, and hopefully build a really strong relationship there. Uh, Trent Dilfer said LaFleur is great. Learned from Shanahan's at creating free, free releases for wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, space in secondary and explosive opportunities on play action by marrying the run game, wide receiver splits, shifts, motions, and backfield action. Also, the O-line will be more physical. So, Dusty, a lot of the things that you hit on earlier, uh, you know, Trent Dilfer kind of echoing in his tweet. And then, Zach, I only wanted to bring this up because I know you're such a massive, massive fan of Andy Benoit. Uh, he said Packers have been criticized for an unimaginative, unimaginative offensive scheme. Now they've hired one of the NFL's highest regarded young offensive designers. So uh, that was. I'm out, I'm out now, Andy. After that, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm not a fan of the hire anymore. <laughs> it is kind of a kiss of death, a little bit. I, I do realize that, but. Not a good sign, no. It's actually the biggest question mark of his entire resume. I'm I'm hoping that they uh, they asked him about that. We noticed that uh, Andy Benoit is a big fan of yours. Can you explain that to us? <laughs> uh, anywho, uh, apologies to Andy Benoit, maybe. Uh, so kind of just continuing on a little bit, we touched base on the defensive coordinator. It also sounded like they are going to be keeping some of the defensive staff as well. Of course, some of this is uh, just kind of coming through and we don't have the full breakdown yet. And I mean, for goodness sakes, we don't even have an official announcement from the Packers uh, that Matt LaFleur is the head coach. This is going to be a really funny podcast if something changes. Uh, but of course, it's all throughout, uh, you know, Packers Nation, all the, the all the blogs, all the Adam Schefter's and Ian Rappaport's of the world that he's going to be the, the uh, head coach. And, and by all accounts, Mike Patton is going to be that defensive coordinator. Some of the main names on that defensive staff, Joe Witt Jr., of course, is their pass game coordinator. Jerry Montgomery, the defensive line coach. Jason Simmons, the secondary coach. Patrick Graham, the run game coordinator and linebackers coach. We talked about Patton a little bit already, but do you think this is the right move to not only bring back Patton, but bring back the majority of the defensive staff? Um, I'll let either of you start. It's it, it, just from my perspective, I, I think it's it's tough to tell for me. Um, like you said, it's so early. Um, the, the contract, as far as we tell, has not actually been signed. There's been no official announcement. So uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the days days and months. But to me, it, it does seem like if, if he's keeping – if you're keeping Petten around uh, and maybe he's just going to let Petten kind of just – you do your side of the ball, I'll do my side of the ball, um, it, it would kind of make sense that that those guys would not move on. And, and I don't know enough about kind of what a lot of those guys do or how they are uh, to kind of to, – to pass any judgment if, if they pass kind of Petten – and uh, and Lafleur here, that's that's fine by me. But it, it seems like it makes sense. If the defensive coordinator is saying it makes sense that most, if not all, of the additional staff would be staying as well. Zach, anything to add? Yeah, I'm a fan of keeping Petten. Like I mentioned earlier, you have that continuity. You don't want to have three different coordinators in three seasons, just because you know that kind of that wigs the young players out. You know, and it, it is a young defense. You got a lot of young up and coming players there who are coming off their rookie seasons, and you're going to have even more uh, come come the spring. And moving into the summer, so having Pet in there, obviously that's a big plus. But I, you know, I, personally, I would kind of scrap the rest of you know, kind of kind of those assistants. But obviously, I'm not the one to make a call on another guy's job or anything like that. But I, I feel like a fresh start with Petten and the floor and some of those other guys kind of 
rebuilding some of that staff from the ground up, I think that could be beneficial because I just think a complete new look is needed. You know, some of those guys have been there for, for a, a good while now, you know, and they're de- the Packers defense hasn't been a strength by any means, even, even with Petten last season. Yeah. They had their flashes. They, they had their, they had their, their stints of potential last season, but they struggled at times. And obviously they have a couple of rookies playing corner. They had zero safety presence for a large part of the season. Um, I would argue that changed when Tremont Williams stepped in, but that's another story. Yeah. I just think a, a fresh look from the ground up could be, could, could be good here, you know, hiring some new faces. Yeah, I, I agree with honestly both of you, and it wouldn't really shock me or offend me if they went in either direction. I really like them holding on to Joe Witt Jr., and I think he's a very smart coach. And if they can hold oh, yeah. on to him, I, I do like that quite a bit. But you know, if they want to go in a different direction, and you know, maybe they keep Petten, but Lafleur has some of the sand, some different assistants that he wants in. I think that could work. Um, if you know, if he's going to give Petten control of the defense, I'd probably like at that point to have you know have Petten have Stan, who his assistants are. Uh, but I think those two can work together on that. But uh, e- either one is is honestly fine. I-, I liked what the defense put together. I thought when when they had really their their full set of players, which was very, very few and far between. But when they actually had Daniels and Clark and Jair Alexander and King and some of those guys actually playing together, I thought the defense looked good. I thought he was creative. By the end of the season, when all of those guys were out, you know, it was just a shell of itself. And Kyler Fackrell was the best defender on the team. And that that just goes in and of itself. By, by not allowing 50 points a game at that point, it was a huge success for the defense. So uh, I'm good with either. And it'll be interesting to see how they kind of fill out that staff but jumping over to the offensive side who are some offensive coordinators that kind of come to mind that that he could potentially bring in I'll throw a few names out there some of these guys are probably going to get head coaching jobs or stay with the team with, that they're at uh, but Todd Monken of course was one of the the top coaching candidates for them if he doesn't uh, you know get a head coaching position maybe they'd be interested in him for offensive coordinator Freddie Kitchens from Cleveland if they move on from that staff and he doesn't get a head coaching job he could be looking for a new offensive coordinator position. Uh, Sean Ryan is the quarterback's coach in Houston. I've been a huge fan of his work. John DeFilippo, kind of an interesting name. Obviously, he was fired from Minnesota. I would normally have not been a fan of this, but I think he actually has a lot of really bright concepts. And when you marry those concepts with what Lafleur is going to bring to the table, I think you could maybe bring some of that Andy Reid type offense along with the Shanahan and McVay offense and really kind of create some unique things. And especially knowing that Filippo wouldn't be the one calling the plays in this scenario, I think he could be a name to keep an eye on. Um, either Zach Taylor or Shane Waldron from the Rams, neither of them are technically offensive coordinators, so it could potentially be a promotion for either of them to move to an offensive coordinator position. Mike LaFleur, his brother, is actually a wide receiver and passing game coordinator for the 49ers. And then, of course, you've got the names like Cliff Kingsbury, Adam Gaze. There are a lot of very, very bright offensive minds that are out there that would potentially be available for an offensive coordinator position, or at least potentially could be maybe a couple names that stand out to you. Dusty, I'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I had my, my eye on uh, when it was McDaniels, I had a, my eye on uh, McDaniels gaze pairing. Uh, I thought it would just be tremendous. Uh, and if, if gaze could be offensive coordinator, that would be, I'd be all for that. That'd be amazing. I, I kind of, he was, top three or four for me for head coach. Uh, so if that was offensive coordinator, like you said, very bright offensive mind, I'd be all for that. I, I kind of had um, uh, Zach Taylor in mind, uh, like, like you mentioned, out of um, out of L.A., out of the Rams, worked together with the Rams as a quarterback coach uh, when uh, when the floor left for Tennessee last year. 
I just just based on you know I, obviously what what they had done there and what's been going on there and kind of it, it, you know well, between 2017 and 2018, I kind of liked I liked what I saw at a golf in 2017. You mentioned Andy big step up from 2016. He went from a bust to hey this guy looks like he can play a little bit. I wasn't super high on him. Uh, he seemed like he was. Um, you know, pretty good arm, a good release, but but couldn't really do much if um, the first couple reads weren't there. Like he kind of, if the timing was gone, he was kind of lost a little bit. So it's kind of more of a system than him. I thought I thought he took a big step up this year as well. I thought, and part of that's natural progression, uh, but it also shows I think that that Taylor is doing something right out there as well. So I'd be fine with Taylor. Um, DiFilippo, DiFilippo, I kind of soured on as a head coach candidate just because. Just because he was out in Minnesota, um, basically because he wouldn't run the ball, um, and, and that's there's a thousand different reasons why I believe that's wrong. But um, that was one of the things with McCarthy was that they had Aaron Jones back there, and you're not running as much as you probably should, and so that scared me a little bit. But as you mentioned, Andy, and I didn't think about it until you just mentioned it, kind of marrying those together, kind of marrying what Lafleur has done uh, with his running backs and and De Filippo, I think that could be really good. So if we're going. I'll throw Kingsbury out there as well because I don't know why not, but I would go in order. I think uh, Gase, uh, Taylor, DiFilippo, Kingsbury would be four, the top four for me. All right, Zach. I'm definitely leaning in the direction of Freddie Kitchens just because I think what he did in Cleveland last year uh, as the offensive coordinator, and I mean he was also he was the running backs coach and the assistant uh, associate head coach as well, so he was handling multiple duties. What what he was able to do with that offense with Baker Mayfield, a rookie quarterback, is pretty damn impressive. So mm-hmm. I think that was uh it, it was impressive. He he has a uh, a good resume behind him, and also Dusty's candidate Zach Taylor or one of his candidates, I should say. But yeah, I, I also I love what he was able to do in Los Angeles as a quarterbacks coach, as a wide receivers coach. He he is one of the minds behind that offense last two years and what they've been able to do. He's been one of the driving forces behind it. So really, if you could pick anybody from Sean McVay's tree, like the Packers have already done by hiring uh, mm. uh, the floor, you know, if they can get anybody from that staff and kind of implement them as, as an offensive coordinator, then that's that alone in itself would be helpful. Uh, there's a lot of really great choices. I like the directions that you guys are thinking about. And I, I think it's, that's one of the most exciting things is that there are so many great names out there and he could go in a lot of different directions and marry some of those great concepts. And it's just so nice knowing that we've got this great offensive mind, you know, leading the team already and, and anyone that he could kind of get in there to even help out a little bit more is only going to be a bonus at this point. And I really like the the marriage of Patton and, and Lafleur already. So this has the opportunity to even, you know, kind of add icing the cake a little bit. I think one of the main remaining questions that we have yet to talk about, and I think it's one of the most important ones, is how is this relationship going to work with Aaron Rodgers? So you've got Matt LaFleur, a few years older than Aaron Rodgers. Whether it's appropriate or not, and whether it's correct or not, we've now got a lot of questions of how Aaron Rodgers kind of handled those last couple of years of the Mike McCarthy relationship. Was he kind of going rogue and calling plays on his own? And uh, I think this is going to be a major question on how these two work together. And from all reports, Matt LaFleur has been a guy who's been a little bit of a quarterback whisperer. He's worked great with Matt Ryan. Kirk Cousins has had great things to say. Uh, you know, so everywhere he's gone, the quarterback's really been successful and it seems to have worked out well. Uh, but how do you think this relationship is kind of going to work? And Zach, I'll start with you. 
we saw how he was ha- he was handling his relationship with McCarthy. You know, he would take the subtle jabs at him in his press press conferences. There was the constant reporting about their split, you know, and how they're battling each other, which is natural. You've been you've been with this guy for for thirteen seasons now. You know, the 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 arguing, the combativeness, it's it's natural. The thing is though, when we saw McCarthy fired on December second after that loss to the Cardinals and Joe Philbin come in as the interim coach. The Packers played the Falcons the following week, and Aaron Rodgers looked like he was enjoying himself. Like he was enjoying being out there on the field. And the same thing, the, the same thing later against the Jets in New York. He looked like he was genuinely enjoying being out there on the field playing this game. And I think that was just a, a big takeaway from that game. I mean, that, yeah, you had the overtime victory, the last second touchdown to Devontae Adams. That was great, but. The biggest takeaway for me was just how much fun he looked like he was having. Like, he was genuinely enjoying himself. And we hadn't seen that all season from him. He genuinely looked like he was having fun. So, that was, that was just with Joe Philbin, too. So, with a new guy, <laughs> with a new guy, a new coach, I, I, I think the, the biggest thing is just that LaFleur is going to be able to challenge Rodgers. He's going to challenge his mind. He's going to kind of really work him. He's going to make him kind of – he's going to coach him. He's going to do what McCarthy hasn't really been able to do the last few seasons. And like Roger has said multiple times, he wants to be coached. He desires to be coached. And I think LaFleur is going to be able to do that. So that's, that's the biggest thing here, just expecting them to mesh and hoping that they mesh. Because if they don't, then this hire is, this hire is, is, is gone to the, the crapper. <laughs> Dusty, what about you, bud? Let me let me start off. I'm gonna jump on a little soapbox for a second. And this is this is about nothing that Zach said. Um, just just to get that out of the way early. That the and maybe it's just maybe it's just Twitter, man, which can be a lovely place or just an absolute cesspool. But the the amount of people who have turned on Rogers completely this year is preposterous. There's a lot of people. He, oh, he can't be coached. Uh, he, he, he's gonna, he's a coach killer. He can't do it. He was with McCarthy for 13 years. He's not a coach killer. It, it, it just, it seemed like one of those things that the relationship ran its course. I mean, it's been repeated ad nauseum, the Bill Walsh thing where, you know, no one should be any place for longer than 10 years, which there are exceptions to that. Obviously. Um, I don't believe McCarthy was one of them. I think, I, I think part of it is Rogers needs a new voice. Um, but I, I mean, I just, I just want to say if you, <laughs> If you've turned on Rodgers and have said, you know, they need to get rid of this guy, his attitude, blah, 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 just knock it off, man. Like, give it more than one year before you start throwing your Hall of Fame quarterback who has given you a ton of amazing years and moments under the bus. Let's 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 calm down. Let's everyone just calm down. So to follow up on that. I mean, like Zach said, I mean, it's, it, he's got someone that's in there that's going to challenge him. It's going to, it's going to challenge his mind. That's going to kind of allow him to kind of see things see things differently to kind of maybe get in his face a little bit when he needs to maybe just, just say, Hey, listen, I <laughs> just say, look at these numbers that the Rams did when I was there. Just look at, look at the offenses I've done. Look at the, look at the random different things I have done with different personnel groupings in different spots. And just, just, just give it a chance. Just give it a chance. He's going to be presented with new concepts. It's a new voice. I think that alone I think that alone is we're going to see a renewed Aaron Rodgers next year. Um, and I think, this is something I just kind of was thinking about. There was the there's the uh, the gunslinger book that uh, Perlman wrote a couple of years ago about Favre, and one of the things in there I know was kind of deterioration of of Favre's relationship with guys in the locker room, and just 
in that he had gotten older. He'd kind of aged out a little bit, not aged out, but you know, I mean, you didn't have a lot of guys he could kind of relate to. And I think we're seeing that with Rodgers now. You know, he's in his mid thirties. He's in there with the guys that are a bunch of, you know, especially with a system that had been drafted and developed. You got a bunch of guys in their kind of early to mid twenties. I, <laughs> I am thirty eight, and when I have to talk to people who are like in their like twenty three, I have no idea. I have zero idea how to relate to those people. So I get it. I, I mean, I, what I'm saying is me and Aaron Rodgers are basically the same person. So <laughs> that's, that's my, that's the point. But I, I think having a guy, you know, it, I get the, that their the ages are close together. I kind of get that, but there's also something to be said, I think for a guy who is just a few years older than him that can maybe relate to him on a level that some of the guys can't, that is also your coach that kind of knows what you're supposed to be doing and kind of, kind of wants to get you to a certain place that is kind of a quarterback whisperer. You know, he's been as a quarterback coach, relating to a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who's obviously a very bright mind and also around his same age that maybe you can relate to him about other things as well. I feel like there is a possibility for a very, very strong bond to be formed with them early that can only help them. I, I feel like their relationship could be very, very close. I mean, you see that with, um, with, you know, it's obviously younger, but you see that with uh, McVay and Goff. Uh, they, they seem, <laughs> they kind of seem like buddies, you know, McVay is obviously a little older, but I think when you can get a guy like that, that is whispering in your ear, that is, that is your coach, but is also your offensive coordinator, but you know, hey, I can bounce ideas off this guy and it's not going to like erupt into a fight or he's not going to say this is my way or do that. I think there's something to be said for that. So, I mean, I think all those factors combined, um, it just the more I think about it, the more I'm, I'm excited and the more I think that kind of a younger guy is kind of the way to go that I'm, I'm again, we don't know how he's going to be as a head coach, but I it just all the signs point to this being really, really fun uh, with Rodgers and LaFleur. I think they're going to get on. I think we're going to see renewed Rodgers next year. I think I think it's going to be a lot of fun. That's certainly the hope. I think obviously what Green Bay needs to do, uh, like they did for Brett Favre, is just hire his best friend to be the backup quarterback, <laughs> like oh, he like did with Doug Peterson for like a decade after he could no longer play football. So Jordy uh, Nelson is backup quarterback. Cool. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, bring in Jordy as the backup quarterback. <laughs> the number Jordy four. Nelson or Matt Flynn, they need to bring back a, a friend for Aaron Rodgers so he has somebody he can relate to. But anyway, no, I agree with you a hundred percent, Dusty. I think that's certainly the hope is that they have somebody that they can relate to Aaron Rodgers. As I mentioned earlier, he played the quarterback position, and even if it obviously wasn't at the NFL level, I think they're going to hopefully be able to rate, relate. And I think he is going to be able to challenge Aaron Rodgers with a ton of different concepts and things that he hasn't done before. And I think Aaron Rodgers is honestly kind of going to like that. And if he doesn't, and if he doesn't buy in, then it's, yeah, it's going to be a problem. And we're probably going to see it take, unfortunately, a turn for the worse. But I agree with you, Dusty. I think we need to see it play out before we start labeling anyone a coach killer or an insubordinate or anything like that. Let's give it just a little bit of time before we jump to any conclusions. All right. So last but not least, uh, let me ask you guys just really quick. Uh, Zach, how would you grade this move? And do you think they got it right? I would give it a B plus for right now. Actually, I'll give it a B. I'll give it a B right now, mainly just because like, like you just said, it's, it's a little too early to judge any of this right now. So I will say that that high grade, because I consider B a high grade, that high grade is just based off of how, how much work they did in bringing all those candidates in, how much work they put into the whole process before they finally narrowed down to their guy and they, they found the guy that they wanted. So and it, you know, looking back on everything that Lafleur has done, and you know, thanks to Dusty also for explaining a lot of that, a lot of things that Lafleur likes to do offensively and what he could bring to Green Bay, you know, it, it helps you, it helps sell the concept even more. It helps you sell wanting to buy into this guy, and you know, and, and 
that's just me. You know, that's just that's just some stupid writer out here in California. You know, the biggest <laughs> the biggest thing is getting Aaron Rodgers to buy into it. So right now I would give it a B, but there's a good chance by September, by October, that could be bumped up to an A really quick. Dusty, what about you? Yeah, I know. I think I'm about the same. It's 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 really. I mean, like you said, it, it's early, man. It's tough to tell right now. Um, I'm, I'm probably I'm probably a little higher. Uh, I'll give it give an A minus right now, just just slightly above where Zach was. Where it, and honestly, man, all it's going to take to jump me up to an A plus is Aaron Rodgers just for two someone catching Aaron Rodgers on a mall and him saying, uh, "Yeah, I think uh, I really like him." Be like okay, A plus. Like he's on board. Like it's not going to take much to push me over the edge. But no, I, I think. I mean, there's obviously there's obviously risk in this, and in, in hiring kind of a first time head coach. Uh, there's there's a lot of unknowns, and so um, really, really, it's tough to tell, and it's tough to give a final grade until we kind of until. I mean, uh, you know, until the first year at the very least. But you know, right off gut reaction, how I'm feeling right now, yeah. But, a minus. I think it's. I think it's a good hire. I think he's a good choice. Um, a very good offensive mind. I think Petten in there kind of certainly bumps that up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm all in, man. I, I think. Uh, I think it's a very good hire. I'm going to even you guys out exactly. I'm going to give it a, a solid B plus. <laughs> I really, really like you know the hire. I like how they went about it. I like that once they found him, they were aggressive in getting him. Time will tell. Of course, it's silly to, you know, kind of give it a grade at this point because, you know, who knows? He hasn't even coached a preseason game yet. We don't, he hasn't even given a press conference for the Packers, but uh, I like the direction they went in. You know, I think it's the, you know, where the NFL is going. And uh, I'm excited to see how this team is going to mesh. I'm excited to see Aaron Rodgers with a brand new offense, with a really smart offensive mind. I'm excited to see the defense progress under a second year with Mike Pettin. And uh, I just think it's the right direction. And now they've got, you know, the ability to go out and fill out this staff. Like I said, offensive coordinator has the opportunity to be a, another huge bonus as someone they can add to this team. They've got two early first round draft picks. They've got a lot of huge decisions to make coming up with retaining their own players, a lot of money to spend in free agency. So it is going to be an exciting off off season as a whole. And I think they really did a great job of starting it off on the right foot and, and kind of building a lot of excitement towards next year. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. I know it was kind of last minute notice. Um, I really, really appreciate your time tonight. Any final thoughts, Dusty? Uh, no, dude. Um, it, it's exciting to have a coach. It's a little scary, but uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> the playoffs aren't even over yet. And, uh, and I'm already excited for the 2019 season now. So um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, happy to talk to you guys, Andy. I've talked to you guys, to you before. Uh, Zach, I think this is my first time actually talking to you um, outside of a very, very, very short uh, pre-draft party chat. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, awesome hanging out with you, Zach. I mean, I, I love uh, love your work. Andy, obviously love your work. And so um, talking to you uh, now has just been, just been amazing. And I love, Zach, my favorite thing about you is that you are team five guys. Um, so, so I just, you know, just uh, always, always awesome talking to you guys. You guys, I uh, really look up to you guys. You guys do amazing work. Um, it's been awesome to be here. So uh, yeah, that's all I Appreciate got. That, well, we, yeah. we, we could both easily say the same thing about you, man. Thank Absolutely. you. Uh, Zach, any final thoughts on your end? Really just, it's going to be a really exciting off season, you know, and, and like Dusty said, it's going to be kind of scary too, because, you know, we, we haven't experienced this in, in, I should say 12 years, 13 years. So it's, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really fun. I'm kind of more so looking toward, looking forward to the whole draft process. And then you got free agency. It's going to be exciting. And 
as for the both of you and Andy, you know, I've followed you for the longest time and we followed each other for the longest time and I've watched you kind of rise through the ranks to what you are now. And you're only just going to get better at what you do, man. And I'm (laughs) extremely proud of you and I'm just happy to be along for the ride and dusty. You're going to, you're going to catch on somewhere big someday. You know, man, I can tell you that for sure. Just the grind you put in, it doesn't go unnoticed. Okay. By anybody. I can tell you that right now. And I promise. All right. Well, thank you. So, I appreciate that, brother. Yeah. No, both of you guys, man. I'm, I really enjoyed this and I'll look forward to next time. You know, hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. Appreciate mm-hmm. it, guys. And just for the record, I think you're both the worst. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm tired. This was a mistake. <laughs> no, you guys are fantastic. Thanks so much for joining me. This has been absolutely fun. Huge day for the Packers franchise. Uh, for those of you who have not had a chance yet, make sure to go back and uh, listen to yesterday's podcast again. Michelle Bruton did an amazing job. You're going to want to definitely check that out. Um, also, uh, again, a huge thank you to Zach and Dusty for coming on on short notice and discussing today's big news. Make sure to follow Zach at Zach A. Jacobson on Twitter. Follow Dusty at Dusty Evely. You can follow me at Scotty Sports. Of course, follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. I would be remiss not to shout out Professor Benjamin Wright, who gave me those amazing Omaha beef statistics, uh, both the name of the mascot as well as the name of the dance team. So thank you, Professor Wright. Um, this is only the beginning. We are going to have you completely covered here at the Packaday Podcast. Make sure to listen tomorrow as Nick Schmitz and Jacob Westendorf continue to kind of break down the breaking news. There may be a press conference tomorrow. Who knows what's going to be happening, but you want to check back with them tomorrow to see everything that's happening. Thank you for listening. As always, this again is a huge, huge day for the Packers franchise. Let's hope that this is the move that helps return the Packers to greatness. I'm certainly thinking and hoping that it could be. Until next time, thanks for listening. We've only got a short eight months before the next Packers regular season game to see how this starts to turn out. And in the meantime, go Pack Go. From the 16 of New York, first down, goal to go. Rodgers in the shotgun, Williams to his left, here's the snap. Rodgers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end. To Wild. Oh, yes! And taken by Jackson in the end zone for a touchdown! Geronimo Allison! Geronimo Allison! Josh Jackson, the rookie, recovers in the end zone in a rainbow lead to the North End Zone stand. The Packers have a 6-0 lead. Pepper on third down and three in the shotgun. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it, deep down the right sideline, and intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers, looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the catch, and sends him pretty out of bounds. Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6'5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds, inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here is placement made. Kick is up. It's good. It is good. Mason Crosby delivers a dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. Third and five. 13-yard line of Atlanta. Snap. Ryan looks right. Goes right down. Intercepted to the house. Bishop Breland. Touchdown. Breland Packers. 19-yard interception return, and it's 16-7, Packers. Rodgers looks it over, takes the-
the snap. Blitz on. They pick it up. Lock they got him. They got him. Single back off that's behind Aaron Rodgers. He ducks it under center. On the 29 of Green Bay, and here is the handoff off the middle. Big Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.